Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Tonight, the alarming spike in COVID cases among America's children, with more than 250,000 kids testing positive in just one week. What parents need to know. The largest one-week surge in pediatric cases, and a near-record number of kids in Texas are hospitalized with COVID. Plus the 13 school staffers in Miami-Dade County who were unvaccinated and died from coronavirus. More severe weather. The Northeast braces for more flooding and possible tornadoes as a tropical storm threatens the Florida panhandle. Breaking news, FBI manhunt. New video of the January 6th pipe bomber. Law enforcement hopes it can help crack the cold case. Identity theft. How criminals targeted the victims of the Surfside condo collapse, racking up thousands of dollars in credit card purchases. Protecting the president. We hear from the Secret Service agents guarding George W. Bush and Dick Cheney on 9-11. When I saw the look on the president's face, I knew that there was something that was bad. Domestic violence in the military. What a former army lawyer tells us needs to happen to protect survivors. Monumental change, removing the nation's largest Confederate statue. And welcome to Cooperstown. Derek Jeter takes his place among the best baseball players in the Hall of Fame. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with troubling news for parents as we send our kids back into the classroom. For some, it's the first time in a year and a half. Well, across the U.S., kids now account for for more than one in four new cases. And even more concerning, more than 1,500 children have been hospitalized for COVID in recent days. That is a pandemic record. Health officials in Mississippi today reported the death of a seventh child from coronavirus. And in Texas, so many kids have been infected that schools across the state are returning to virtual learning. In what's being billed by the White House as a major address, President Biden on Thursday will 
announce his new plan to try and slow the spread. We've got new details on that in just a moment. But CBS's Maria Villarreal is going to lead us off tonight from San Antonio. Good evening, Maria. Well, good evening, Nora. Nationwide, there are 1,400 school closures that were reported because of COVID concerns just last week. And of those 1,400, more than half of them had to go back to virtual learning. Right here in San Antonio, the largest children's hospital says they are seeing a record number of patients, young patients. And that is very scary to a lot of parents here. Pediatric COVID hospitalizations across the country are hitting record levels. Children now account for one in four infections. We're seeing more kids in the ICU needing higher levels of monitoring, higher levels of intervention. Right now in Texas, nearly 300 children are in a hospital fighting COVID. How are you keeping my child safe? It's that kind of worst-case scenario that worries parents like Lindsay Harrison, a mother of three school-age kids. Harrison's youngest is in third grade in a school district north of San Antonio where masks are not mandatory. In the first eight days of school, her district sent out 250 notices like this one of positive infections. But she says they lack key information about who is sick. Why can't we know? Every time a Kinder Ranch-affiliated person is testing positive for COVID, whether... Harrison says she read on a Facebook group for parents. Every kindergarten teacher at her son's school, Kinder Ranch Elementary, recently tested positive for COVID, and so did her son's teacher. Information school officials wouldn't confirm. We didn't have an option. Our hands were tied. Clint Saavedra's children also attend schools in the same district as the Harrisons. His 11-year-old has had serious health issues in the past. They say they're keeping her at home. What is your biggest worry right now? My kid's getting sick and being in a hospital on a ventilator. I, I can't be the only parent. How do other parents, how are they okay with that? That, that risk. How are they just okay with that over a, I mean, a mask? In the last three weeks, more than 50,000 students right here in Texas have tested positive in schools. And some sad news out of Florida. We have been able to confirm that 13 employees of the Miami-Dade School District have died from COVID since the start of the school year. All of them were unvaccinated. Nora? All right, Maria Villarreal, thank you. We want to turn now to President Biden's new plan to try and tackle the COVID pandemic. CBS's Weijia Jiang joins us now from the White House. Good evening, Weijia. So what are we learning? What's new in this plan? Well, good evening, Nora. White House officials say what's new is a target on private sector businesses and schools that could require new mandates for vaccines and making testing more accessible. He'll also announce measures to ensure that kids are adequately protected in the classrooms and there will be new safety guidelines depending on whether you are vaccinated or not. CBS News has also learned that the president will raise the issue of COVID vaccines on a global scale with other world leaders when they meet at the United Nations General Assembly later this month. Yeah, I mean, you see that the president's approval rating is falling. He staked his presidency on trying to contain this pandemic. Is that why we're hearing from him now? 
of the White House certainly knows this is a pivotal moment because those ratings fell for the first time on his handling of the pandemic since he took office. This week also marks back to school for millions of children across the country, many of whom cannot get vaccinated. The spike in pediatric hospitalizations in recent months has alarmed parents and COVID task force officials warn more kids are going to get sick as long as the virus spreads. The president is also worried about the economy. In fact, just last week, he blamed the Delta variant for a weaker than expected jobs report. Nora. All right. Weijia Zhang at the White House. Thank you. And tonight, just a week after floods and tornadoes slammed the Northeast, the hard-hit region is facing the threat of more severe storms. Tornadoes could pop up tonight from Maryland to Philadelphia. A flash flood watch is in place from Pennsylvania to New York City. The Florida panhandle tonight is bracing for Tropical Storm Mindy, which formed a short time ago. Some areas could get half a foot of rain and gusts topping 40 miles per hour. All right, tonight the FBI has released new video of the suspect who planted pipe bombs outside the Republican and Democratic National Committee buildings before that deadly January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. Late months later, the bomber's identity, it's still a mystery. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. Tonight, newly released video footage shows the suspected pipe bomber, seen here in a gray hooded sweatshirt, sitting on a park bench near Democratic Party headquarters on Capitol Hill. They place one explosive device and another several blocks away at the Republican Party headquarters. Found on the morning of January 6th, the bombs diverted police resources ahead of the Capitol attack. The FBI, struggling with leads on the bomber's ID eight months later, also released this virtual map tonight showing the suspect's route and noted the individual was wearing glasses and looking at street signs, an indication they may not be from the area. Both bombs were viable, made of galvanized pipes, a kitchen timer and homemade black powder. No piece is too small. No lead is too small. Former FBI agent Tom O'Connor says the cell phone the suspect is seen using in the newly released footage is its own clue. I think it actually says that the potential is there that someone else was on the other end of that text or that phone. Now you have two people involved in this and potentially more. Now, the FBI is offering up to $100,000 for information that leads them to this suspect. And in 10 days from now, another rally is planned here at the Capitol in support of those arrested after January 6th. Capitol Police tell us all available staff will be on duty. And, Nora, that fencing around the Capitol is likely to go back up. Wow. Meryl Burnett, thank you. Well, tonight, a vivid reminder of the Civil War and America's history of slavery no longer stands in a place of honor in Virginia's capital. CBS's Deborah Alfaron was in Richmond as a 12-ton statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee was taken down. What has become the most notorious monuments to one of the most controversial figures of the Civil War came down gently but decisively this morning. The largest Confederate statue in the country has now been removed. The 131-year-old bronze statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee was quickly dismantled at the torso and hauled away in pieces. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam ordered the statue removed last year following the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Monuments like these are no longer necessary. This should be a space for everybody to feel welcome and comfortable. Nearly 170 Confederate symbols, monuments, and school names were removed or renamed in 2020 alone. More than 2,000 symbols remain. 
Devon Henry is the owner of the construction company that took down the statue. We got it done. We're here. A lot of people are happy. Some people are not. But at the end of the day, guess what? It's down. And tomorrow, crews will remove those plaques from the base of the monument. Now, the statue itself is being held on undisclosed state property, according to the governor's office, until an appropriate permanent location can be found for its display. Nora? Deborah Alfron, thank you. And tonight we're hearing chilling memories of September 11th from Secret Service agents who protected the first family on the day America was attacked. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. In this now iconic moment from 9-11, President Bush is informed of the attack by his chief of staff, Andy Card. Eddie Morenzel is off to his right. When I saw the look on the president's face, I knew that there was something that was bad. He was the lead Secret Service agent on the president's detail. And with the 9-11 attack in progress, his mission became getting the president out of that elementary school classroom and onto Air Force One as quickly as possible. We did a very steep takeoff. Why was that? Our idea was to, you know, hide in the sky until we could figure out what was what was going on. Hide in the sky. Right. Fighter jets escorted Air Force One, protecting the president from any possible attack. The Twin Towers and the Pentagon were feared to be the beginning of a larger al-Qaeda battle plane. On board Air Force One, Renzel, Card, and a military aide huddled, deciding who was going to tell the commander-in-chief that Secret Service supervisors had determined that it was too dangerous to return to Washington. Don't bring them back. It's too unsettled. We don't know what else is out there. And so you said as far away from Washington as possible at this point? I said to the president, we have come up with a plan that we could go to Barksdale Air Force Base, regroup, and find out what's going on. I was working the uh, afternoon shift that day. Stephen Stashik, who was off duty, began running toward the White House. Everybody just showed up. No one had to be told to come in. Nick Drada was with the First Lady on Capitol Hill before evacuating her to Secret Service headquarters. We perform a role, and that role is really to evacuate and to provide that safety. At the White House, Tony Zotto was ordered by his supervisor to rush Vice President Dick Cheney down into the White House bunker where a military aide told him... Yet another hijacked plane was incoming. He said, uh, Mr. Vice President, we have a plane coming down through Pennsylvania, down the Potomac direction. It's a hijacked plane. We need your authorization to take it down. And he said, is it a confirmed hijack? And the, and the officer said, yes, sir, it is. And he just said, OK, take it down. Flight 93 was not shot down. It crashed after the passengers and crew fought back against the hijackers. Nora. Incredible to hear all that history 20 years later. Jeff Begays, thank you. And now to our exclusive CBS News investigation into domestic violence in the military. Our reporting found the military is failing spouses, partners, and service members who report abuse among the ranks. Tonight, in part four of our series, a former Army attorney who worked with dozens of survivors is speaking out. He calls the issue a crisis that has only compounded after 20 years of war. 
There was no protection for me. There was no help. There was no resources. CBS News spoke with nearly 40 survivors who reported domestic violence to the military. They described a broken system. The soldier is an asset. They need him. They have spent a lot of money to train him and to do his job. And who am I? As long as I'm removed and I'm not part of the problem, then they have their soldier. Survivor Liz Knight says one of the only people who helped her after she reported was Captain Tony Hossein. Is domestic violence in the military a crisis? It is a crisis, and it's not given the attention that it deserves. Tony served as a legal assistance attorney and special victims counsel for the Army. Does the Army value the soldier more than the victim's safety? Yes. The Why Army, do you hesitate when you say that? Because I know the Army tries, but the Army is tasked with fighting this nation's wars. So the most important thing to the Army is its soldiers. Before Tony started working with survivors, he was a defense counsel. I defended soldiers who were alleged to have committed um, acts of, you know, uh, rape, assault, sexual assault. That uh, gave him a unique perspective. There are people who have done horrible things that I uh, may have helped, you know, but I got to see the other side and the hurt and the trauma and the pain from the victim's perspective. Research by the nonprofit group Blue Star Families found incidents of spouse abuse in the military were more than twice that of the national population. Soldiers are great at what they do. They are great at fighting this nation's wars. But when they come back home, there's a disconnect. They're not in battle anymore. A lot of them have PTSD and other traumas. Tony told us he often saw soldiers self-medicate. Almost all of my cases involved alcohol. It sounds like you're describing a cycle to me, which is deployment. Yes. PTSD. Yes. Alcohol abuse. Yes. Domestic abuse. Domestic abuse. And then when it comes to my desk, because it's become rape or sexual assault, it's too late. DOD policy mandates that commanders ensure military offenders are held accountable and gives them the power to make decisions about the outcome of a case. And I understand it's their charge to maintain good order and discipline, but here they are making decisions that a prosecutor should make, that a judge should make. Great for the soldier, but for the victim, it looks like they're in a system that's rigged against them. In February, after more than two decades of service, Captain Tony Hossein retired honorably. I don't practice law anymore. Um, I've seen the worst of the worst. I started off very idealistic, you know, wanting to help, wanting to do better. And just somewhere throughout the years, it just, I felt like I was spinning my wheels. What will happen if nothing changes? Until there's drastic change, I think we'll still see the same trends. Domestic violence in the military, I think, will persist. Well, change could happen soon. In a statement, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin told CBS News that the Pentagon is working closely with Congress on some legislative proposals to remove decisions about whether to prosecute sexual assaults and related crimes, including domestic violence, from the military chain of command. We'll keep you posted. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. 
like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. All right, listen to this story. In Florida tonight, three people are under arrest accused of stealing the identities of seven victims of that Surfside condominium collapse. Prosecutors say this suspect was carrying a Versace purse she just bought while making another $2,500 purchase. The suspects allegedly bought and attempted to buy a total of more than $100,000 in goods using illegally obtained credit cards in the victims' names. And now they've been caught. All right, the resort city of Acapulco, Acapulco, Mexico, is cleaning up the destruction from a powerful magnitude 7 earthquake that struck overnight. At least one person was killed, buildings were cracked and damaged, and more than a million and a half people lost power. It shook buildings 200 miles away. Cooperstown, New York, was more like the city of St. Jetersburg today as the beloved New York Yankees shortstop was officially inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yankees fans packed the event to show their support and, of course, respect for Jeter, who was enshrined along with baseball giants Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, and the former executive director of the Players Union, the late Marvin Miller. The one common thread with all of us here on stage is that we understand that there's no one individual bigger than the game. The game goes on, and it goes on because of the great fans we have. While the ceremony was delayed more than a year because of COVID restrictions. You don't want to miss tomorrow's CBS Evening News because we have a story from 9-11 that many have never heard before. These two fighter pilots who took off on a mission to take down a hijacked plane tell their story. A reminder, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.